Greetings and welcome to TanakhStudy.com, the podcast program in which we study one chapter of Tanakh in each podcast. My name is Yitzchak at Shalom. We're study, studying Sefer Eov and now in Perak Haftalah, chapter 24, the second half of Eov's response to Eliphaz in this final go-around, uh, which comprises the first half of the Sefer. Uh, and in the first half of it, which is Parakhaf Gimel, uh, Eov was saying that I've been looking for God, I want to find God, if I could speak to God directly, I could present my, my arguments to Him and my claims to Him, but God refuses to meet with me, God, God indeed knows that I'm a tzaddik. The second half of his plaint, which is all of Parakhaf Dalin, is going to be Eov's claim that the wicked, indeed the extremely wicked, succeed in this world and God seems to ignore them and even to support them. And this, again, is Eov's claim throughout that the Rishayim are successful. Madua mishadai lo nitzpenu itim. So itim, times, here seems to refer to set times of judgment. So how come God isn't holding on to set times of judgment and those who know God aren't able to perceive, to divine, when those days are. In other words, a prophet being able to come and say, the day of reckoning is coming. We have Yom Hashem, Yom Nakam, all sorts of days referred to in Tanakh, but doesn't seem to be happening with the Rishayim. And now he describes these very wicked people that he sees in his world, which parallel in some sense, or echo in some sense, the description that Eliphaz leveled at, uh, at Eov just in Parakhafet. Gvulot Yasigu, they steal boundaries. This is from the Lotasi Gvul Recha in Dvarim. Eder Gazluva Yeru, they steal from the flock and they shepherd with it. In other words, they're, they're comfortable stealing and then walking around publicly these Rishayim, with other people's sheep. Uh, we're going to see that the word ro'er, resh ayin, in its various forms, and therefore different meanings, is going to be played with in this parak. Chamor yitomim yinhagu. They steal the donkeys of orphans, and they lead them, meaning they use them as donkey drivers to, to hire out, but they've taken them from yitomim. Yachbalu shor almana. They take as a pledge the ox of an almana, which violates two principles in Dvarim, lo tachvod, uh, lo beged almana, you're not allowed to take a pledge from an almana at all, and you're not allowed to uh, take racham varacham, anything that's used for the person's parnasah, so they could work and pay you back. And they're violating all of that. Yatu evyonim midarech. They turn the poor away from the road. What does that mean? So simple meaning is that the poor are afraid to walk in the road. Something like what Devorah describes at the beginning of Shira, uh, or Achot Akal Kalot, that all of the roads have become crooked because people are afraid to go on the main road because of the thieves. So they are making the poor go away from the main road. Yachad Chubu And all of the poor are hiding because they're afraid of these strong-armed people. And more descriptions about them. Hain praim bamidbar latarif. A lot of delightful linguistic plays here. But praim bamidbar are are wild donkeys. So he's describing these pillagers as wild donkeys out in the desert. They go out to their work. Meshachare latarif. Meshachare has two meanings. 
which is, they're related, which is they are seeking, Yishachrurni and Mishle, they're seeking out Teref, which is uh, the prey. Uh, on the other hand, Meshachare, of course, alludes to us and hints to us the early morning. Shachar, which comes from the word Shachor, the darkness of the morning. And then the end, Arava lo lechem l'ne'arim. So the Arava is a word like the Midbar. They're out in the desert. But Arava, of course, hints to Arvit, the end of the day. So this is their work day, from morning until evening. And they go out in the morning to go steal things from people. And by the end of the day, it's lechem l'ne'arim which may mean we're going to get food for our sons, but also lechem may allude to milchama, go to war and capture things for our boys. Now, this is talking about Rishaim, who operate during the day, who are strong-armed people, who push people around and aren't afraid to walk around publicly with their ill-gotten gains. Basadeh belilo yaktsiru. Now, interesting, the way that this written, word is written is yaktsiru, which means they cause others to harvest. The way we read it is yiktsoru, which means they harvest. What does, what, what, how do we understand what's happening going here is that they take, uh, they go into a field belilo, which means, uh, even though belilo in some cases means the, the food of the animal, here it's two words, belilo, meaning a field that's not theirs, and they cause others to harvest. And we'll see that that's what's happening, because the cherem rasha yilakeshu. So they're taking other people, these poor people, and they're uh, forcing them into servitude to go harvest somebody else's field. And then the cherem rasha yilakeshu. Even a worker is allowed to eat while, from the food that he's working in. That's a law in Sefer Dvarim. And here, they are making them eat from the very last, Yelakeshu, at the very end of the vineyard of the Rasha. Rasha being the guy who has, who has forced them. So as the picture here is that this strong-armed guy has forced poor people to go and work, he takes them to other people's field, has them harvest, doesn't allow them to eat, they have to bring everything into him, and then he lets them go into his own vineyard once it's already been harvested, and they can take the last few grapes that are left on the on the vine, what we call ololot, but not because he's fulfilling any great mitzvah here, but because he doesn't care about that stuff so much. And now, arom yalinu mibli levush, what happens to these poor people? They end up being naked, they have no clothes. The ink suit bakara, they have nothing to cover them up in the cold. Now these, this again echoes the the accusations that Eliphaz leveled at Eov. But he's saying this is what these Rishayim do, and they're very successful, as we'll see. Mizerem harim yirtavu. These poor people get wet from the, the the water that comes down from the mountains. When rainfall comes down from the mountains, or the snowpack melts, they get wet. They're, they have to sleep outside. They have no clothing. Since they have no uh, trustworthy place, no machseh, therefore they embrace a boulder. In other words, they'll sleep on top of a boulder to be raised above the ground. Imagine this image. These poor widows and orphans that have been taken by the Rasha to do their slave labor, and he's taken everything from them. Yigzlu mishod yatom. Now this is an interesting piece, but they steal from the, from the theft, they steal the orphan. In other words, the sense is that they'll steal the estate of somebody who died, and they'll steal the child from the estate to work for them. 
And then they will take a pledge. Al ani, the al here is like olel, like the child of the poor man. They'll take him as a pledge. So the poor are being totally gouged here. They're left with nothing, and their children are being taken from them. Uh, echoes of what we read, for instance, in Malachim Bet Perak Dalid, Vanosheh is coming to take my child, and that's where the whole story that Elisha and the Shemen. Arom hilchu b'li levush. They go, uh, these people go naked, they have no clothing. Ur evim nasu omer. And hungry people have to carry a sheaf. In other words, these people are make these Rishayim are making them work for them. They have no clothing to cover them. And they uh and they're walking through the fields carrying the sheaves and not even allowed to eat. Bain Shurotam Yatsiru. Now how do we understand what Yatsiru means? We'll see it from the second half of the Pasuk using what we call Tikbola to parallelism. Between the rows, Yatsiru, rows of what we'll see, Yikavim Darchuva Yitzmau. They tramp the grapes in the in the winery, and they are thirsty. In other words, they're, they're stomping on grapes as servants for this guy, and they're not able to drink any of the wine. So what's Yatsiru? So the two liquids that are famous in Tanakh as being processed from the field are wine from grapes and oil from olives. Yatsiru from the word Yitzhar. So they are making uh, oil. Right there in the fields, they're pressing oil, and they're not allowed to have any of it, and they are tr- stomping grapes and not allowed to drink any of it. Meir mitim yin aku. Ir mitim is a, uh, a phrase that shows up in, uh, in, near, in the beginning of Sefer Dvarim, and literally it's the city of the dead, but that's not what it means. Mitim is, in Tanakh, the idea of mortals, and ir mitim seems to be referring to the men. So meir mitim yin aku, there is a cry coming up from a city that they have destroyed from the dead people. So are dead people crying out, or is it people who are dying, or is it their relatives, or is it metaphoric? V'nefesh chalalim t'shavea. Nefesh here may refer, as nefesh does often in Tanakh, to the throat. Nefesh chalalim t'shavea, like higiu maiman nefesh, to the throat. Nefesh chalalim t'shavea, that the that the throat of the dead is crying out, or chalalim here may be the ones who are pierced who have been attacked. So suddenly, the image here is not just that they are strong-arming and taking other people's items and then taking the poor and putting them to work, but they're actually going out on the attack, which goes back to the lechem that we heard, lechem la ne'arim, that they're going to attack and they're attacking a city, and God is not doing anything to them. And this tifla seems to echo, and again, which came first is something we've been asking throughout the podcast, echo the phrase in Perak, uh, in Perak Aleph, where, uh, tifla meaning an accusation. So, Eov, not giving an accusation against God, in spite of his misery, is seen as praise. Here, it's God not putting an accusation on all these terrible things that are happening is an accusation against God. And now, he shifts to another group that not don't operate in broad daylight attacking people, but rather, these are people who rebel against the light. They don't know the way of the light. They never sat in the paths of light. Here we get the image of people who operate in the darkness and with subterfuge. There's a common way that this is translated, 
לאור יקום רוצח יקטול עני ואביון, ובלילה יהיה גנב. So many interpret לאור being he gets up in the morning, and, and he kills, and then at night he acts like a, like a ganav. That may be one way to read it. The other way is laor in the euphemistic sense, the way the sugat the beginning of Pesachim, that he gets up at night, and because he's more deor, he's people who operate against the night, against the light, and uh, and more deor may also be if we read or as uh, as for moment as a euphemism for night, and so the rebelling against the night, because the whole idea is nobody can see me. Laor Yakum Rotseach, he gets up at night to kill. Yiktol Anivavyon, he kills the poor and the destitute. And again, this is the image of taking advantage of the poor. And it may here be metaphoric, meaning he's not actually killing them, but that he, by abusing them the way he does, he does lead to their death. And he's doing it at night, as if nobody sees, meaning that it's not a direct and obvious murder. And at night he acts like a ganav, stealing around. The eye of the adulterer waits for nighttime, saying, No eye will see me. It's his eye that sees the woman that he desires. He holds on to that image, Shamra, for nighttime, and he also waits for the night, Shamra Nafshef having two meanings, and Lo meaning no eye will see me, the Seter Panim Yasim, and he puts on a mask, now does that mean he puts on a mask and that he hides at night to go sneak off to find this woman, or does it mean that he puts on a disguise in the way he interacts with her, which we'll see later on perhaps in the Parak, unclear, but one thing is very clear is that nothing's clear, meaning that he's hiding. He's hiding in the night. He's hiding his intentions. He's hiding his face. And this is also understood several ways. Chacham uh, reads it as saying that these people actually dig their houses, uh, subterranean houses. Kind of hard to accept that as being Eov's, the meaning of Eov here. What it likely means is that he digs into other homes at night. Yomam chitmulamo, and in day it's sealed off, lo yaduor. So in other words, he's sealed off there, and during the day he doesn't see the light, and then he's able to do what he wants to do at night. Ki achdav boker lamot For him, morning is what night is for us. Ki akir balhot salmavet. He recognizes that as being the time of danger, of all of the dangers of the night, are what the day is for him, his morning is for him. Now, from here to the end of the parak, it's unclear whether or not he's continuing to describe Rishayim, or at some point is he actually cursing them and saying, this is what God should do to them. So, when read is a curse, and kal meaning light, but also associated with the word lekalel, and we'll see that right now, could be saying, this guy should have no holding in the land. He shouldn't be able to burrow underground and hide there and do these terrible things, but rather the opposite. He should be so light that he's lighter than water. That his place in the, in the, in the earth should be cursed. And he should not be able to go through the kramim. And this again could go both ways. Some read it as Some of these people live in the cold areas, some in the in the hot areas. 
So those who live in the hot areas, yigzalume mesheleg, that the that the snow never affects them, and those who live in the cold, etc. But it could be that what he's doing is cursing them. And he's saying whether they live in the cold or the hot, they should be affected. God has all sorts of ways to affect them. If they're living in a in a hot area, they should be affected by cold. And if they're living in a in a dry area, they should be affected by water, and vice versa. Sha'olchatau. And they should go down to the grave. Yishkachehu Rechem. Now this goes back, and again, this could be a continuing of the curse, or it could be going back to some of the sins that they've done. So, reading it as the sins they've done, Yishkachehu Rechem, Metako Rima Od Lo Yizacher. Yishkachehu Rechem would mean he has forgotten the woman. In this case, it would be a derogatory term for the girl that he seduced earlier on in the parak. He has forgotten her. Metako Rima. The one who was his sweetness, he fooled. Od lo and is not remembered anymore. Vatishaver ka'etz avla. Avla here being a young girl, like from Ul, that she's broken like a tree. And he continues, Ro'e akara lo teled. Akara lo teled is a phrase, so he is bad to, again, like I said, resh ayin here, resh ayin ayin. He's bad to the akara who can't give birth. The Almanalo Yetiv, and he's and he's not good to the widow. Now this could be read as the following that the women with whom he was acting in an adulterous fashion could have been a young girl who he promised things to and then he forgets her. It could be a woman who had no children and he promised her that if that with an affair that she'd have children. In the meantime, that doesn't happen and he forgets her. Or it could be that a woman who has an affair with him and then her husband dies as a result and then he abandons her. In any case, it's all bad. In the meantime, let's go back to what the reality is. So by the way, Chaf and Chafalaf could also be read as a curse. The curse that he wishes on him following from Yudchet, Yudtet, Chaf and Chafalaf all as being a curse against him which is a different way to read it. So we already read Yudchet and Yudtet that way. Chaf would then mean that he should have no ability. He should be forgotten from the Rechem Metako. And the one, Rima'od Lo Yizacher, and here Yizacher being masculine, being him, meaning she should forget him. And Javerka Eitz Avla, Avla not being the young girl, but rather the sin, the sinner. And then his curse should be that he is not successful in having any children, and that ultimately he would have a widow who would have no, who would loyetiv, who he has not none good for. So it could be read as part of his sin or part of the punishment that he anticipates. But in the meantime, we come to pasuk chavbet, which is when Eo very clearly says. But the reality is, umashach abirim he's able to pull strong animals with his strength. Meaning, this guy, this wicked guy, is doing all these terrible things, and he's still doing well, and he's strong. Yakum v'loyamin b'chayin. Even when he's sick, he's very sick. Yakum, he gets back up, he's, he's, he, he, became, he becomes resuscitated. And even if he's at a time, he believes he's not going to live anymore, he, he recovers. God seems to give him security, and he leans on it. And God's looking at their ways. Why isn't God doing anything about it? And then he says, if God would just get up a little bit, lift up a little bit, then this guy would be gone. God could just take away a little security from this guy. He'd die, at least like the rest of us. 
Or at least lower yourself a little bit. Push him down a little bit, and he'd die like the rest of us. And he would be withered away like the top of a sheaf. Somebody comes up and touches the top of the sheaf. It's dry, it's brittle, it flies away. So none of this is true. So who's going to deny it? Who's going to say that what I'm saying is untrue, that the Rishayim are successful and overly successful and overtly Rasha in this world, and nonetheless God does nothing to stop them, and the opposite seems to support them. And who's going to say that my words are untrue? And this is Eov's challenge now, and we will hear the shortest parak in our... Uh, in our Sefer Parak Hafei from Bildad in the next podcast. In time, we should have a wonderful day.